Now, the reading is taken from Luke chapter 23, verses 33 to 43. Then they came to the place called the Skull. They crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for the gift of one another. Thank you for the gift of your spirit. Thank you that we get to hear your word amongst your people and that your spirit is here to speak to us. So please speak. Please open our hearts and minds to listen. And please help us to respond in heart and mind and soul. Amen. Amen. Well, it is lovely to be back. Um, it, it, it would be lovely to pretend the last two and a half years hadn't happened. Uh, we were just speculating a few of us before the service. Uh, if you could just rewind back to pre-pandemic um, and sort of, you know, no COVID, no war in Europe, uh, no cost of living crisis, no political instability, etc 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 it feels a very attractive prospect doesn't it it would be nice just to wind back the clock um it would be just nice to just be done with all this mess uh, with all this crisis with all this emergency but of course you only have to know a little bit of history whether it's recent history or ancient history to know that humankind goes through these turbulent cycles of life and of trauma again and again and again. And people like you and me live through them, wishing that somebody somewhere would help. Somebody somewhere would come and sort this out. And of course, down through history, the, the sort of uh, the, the solution that the rescuer, the Messiah type figure has looked different depending on what people have felt the problem is. So, if you think it's fundamentally a political problem, you're going to say, well, we just need better politicians. Uh, in times in life when it's felt like it's basically a military problem, you need a better army. Uh, at points in life where it's basically been a, a scientific problem, you need better scientists, better medics. Down through history, we've done that thing that actually we start doing as very, very, very tiny children, which is basically DL, help somebody, help. It would be nice, wouldn't it? if somebody would actually do that, if somebody would make it all okay, if somebody would be that rescuer. And of course, uh, 
that's not unique to us. Go back to Jesus' time. And uh, if you were a Roman, you would say, well, the answer is the Roman Empire. All you need is a good, strong, powerful emperor with a fantastic armor, uh, um, army. Bring in uh, a proper empire with the rule of law and the rule uh, of strength. Uh, get things in right and proper order. And then Pax Romana will uh, spread out across the world and it all will be okay. And in fact, various Caesars down the time described themselves as the saviour. They were the ones that were coming to save the world. It would be under their rule. Of course, also in Jesus' time, there were those who said, well, it's not about having an empire. It's about having the right religion. If you can get the people to be God's people and to live under God's rules and to do it well enough, all will be fine. If you can live really good lives, really religious lives, go to the temple enough, do your sacrifices, live good lives, again, all will be well. But of course, the question of who's going to save us, what's going to make this all feel better, rather depends on what we think is wrong. Uh, uh, the rather grave risk of giving you too much information. I've had a lump on my back for quite some time. It's right, we won't go too gruesome. And um, there is a doctor here if you need any particular help. Thanks, Nick. Um, if this lump on my back was basically cosmetic, then the answer would be, a cosmetic answer. You know, can you get the right makeup to cover it up? If I go swimming, you don't want anybody to see it. If that was the problem, then that would be the solution. If it was something very serious, the answer might be to cut it out or to have some really serious treatment for it. If the answer was, as in my case, a little bit more basic and a bit more gruesome, which was an infection, then actually the answer was a bit more basic and some antibiotics and some cleaning it out and all of that sort of stuff. Actually, you have to get the problem right in order to get the solution right. And actually, at the heart of what we've just had read for us from Luke's Gospel is a diagnosis as well as a prescription. In other words, what Jesus does on the cross isn't only about doing something about it, but as we look at what he did about the human problem, we actually see what the real diagnosis of the human problem problem is. By seeing what Jesus did, we can see what Jesus believed our problem is. He gets right to the heart of the human problem. And that old, as that old saying goes, the heart of the human problem is the problem fundamentally of the human heart. It feels a bit odd doing Easter just before Advent, doesn't it? Um, I, Christmas trees are going up in houses, wreaths are going on front doors, people are doing their Christmas shopping. Um, it feels odd to talk Easter. But actually this Sunday in the church's year is the Feast of Christ the King, just before we head into Advent. In fact, this is the end of the church's year and Advent is the start of it. And at the end of the church's year, we think of Jesus as the King. And the first thing you have to ask is, well, what sort of king? Is this a king like the, the Romans would have expected? A king that's basically an emperor, one who rules by might from the back of a horse or inside a tank or in a great palace? Or is this a king who's fundamentally about religion, who's going to tell you how to live your life? And if you live it the way he tells you, then you'll keep your nose clean and God will think you're okay. But actually what we find here is that this king rules from the cross. This king dives right in to the heart of the human problem and on the cross shows us what the problem is and brings us 
a saving solution. Three things that we see on the cross. The first is that the only solution to the human problem comes from the inside out, not the outside in. This is a king who comes to solve the human problem, not by standing a long way off and giving us instructions, not by sending an army to do his dirty work, not by simply yelling to us across a great chasm or sitting on a throne and just sending us instructions. This is the one who says the only way to solve the human problem is to dive right into the middle of it. Verse 33, when they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals. Here is Jesus, the king of kings, crucified. The lowest of the low, the very worst punishment that would only be given to the very worst of criminals, crucified alongside them. This is the one who dives right in. Of course, we know that as we come towards Christmas, one of the things that we celebrate is Emmanuel, God with us. But being with us sounds quite sort of, um, quite passive in a sense. I mean, I'm with you this morning. Well, that's just a joy. I get to drink coffee and have nice um, refreshments and sit and talk to old friends. And it's warm and it's comfortable and it's friendly. Fantastic. Well, that's, that's one sort of with us. But this is a diving right into the heart of the human problem. I don't know whether you remember a few years ago, there was that group of young footballers in Thailand that had gone exploring a cave network and got stuck underground. Do you remember this terrible story? They were stuck underground um, for days and days and days and days. Now, the solution for them wasn't somebody on the outside sending them a message about how they actually should have done rather better and not got themselves stuck in the first place. Nor was it sending them instructions about how to swim their way out. Nor was it even simply sending them a rope saying, grab that, we'll pull you out. The only way that their problem could be solved was to dive right in, to be there with them. That was dangerous. In fact, one of the rescuers died in the attempt. Each one of them was rescued alive and well, but only because people were prepared to get their hands dirty, to dive right in to the very middle of it. This is what we see Jesus doing here. He steps onto the pages of history. He gets his hands and his feet dirty, his back bloodied, his head with a crown of thorns, nailed to a cross. Why? Because that's the only way that we could be rescued. For God himself to roll up his sleeves, to step onto the pages of history, to be with us. Not the sort of with us simply as a warm, comfortable friend. That too. But with us right in the midst of our problem. And that's a real challenge for us as Christians, isn't it? That if we're to be like Jesus for others, we can't simply, simply be with others at a distance. We need to be with others in the mess and the brokenness of other people's lives, being for them and with them, right at the heart of what it means to be human. But the second thing is that actually the heart of what we needed wasn't simply somebody to be with us in our mess, but somebody to rescue us through the gift of forgiveness. We hear Jesus saying to them, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. The odd thing there is, he's alongside two criminals, but he doesn't say to them, I forgive you or God forgives you. He looks at the religious and the political leaders and the crowd and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. In the end, 
None of the people he offers that forgiveness to seem to accept it. Only one of the criminals next to him on the cross spots this is for him too. So the heart of being rescued is to recognize you need to be rescued. Uh, if you don't mind me stealing probably appallingly out of context, a line from Taylor Swift, uh, it's me, I'm the problem, it's me. Actually, that's the heart of the Christian faith. The very heart, the beating heart of what it means to be a Christian is simply to put up our hand to God and say, it's me, I'm the problem. It's me. I need your forgiveness. I need your rescue. Right at the heart of the story of Noah and the ark is that if God were to deal with the human problem by power and might, he could. He could simply wipe out the problem once and for all. But if he were to do so, he would wipe out you and wipe out me. Because running through the heart of every human being is this brokenness, this fissure, where I put myself first rather than others, where I think I'm the center of the universe rather than others or the one who made me. If God is to rescue the world, not simply destroy it, he has to find the solution to the human heart. And that comes through the gift of forgiveness, through stepping into our brokenness on the cross, through stretching out his arms and taking the worst that we could throw at him and offering us that gift as we say, it's me, I'm the problem. But there's something else here, one final thing, which is that the bit of the human problem that we most want to avoid thinking about, for all good reasons, is that at the end of life is this full stop that seems to make a mockery of all the things that we hold most dear. It brings an end to all political ideals. It brings an end to all tyranny. That's a good thing. It brings an end to even the greatest of empires. It brings an end to even the greatest of our ambitions and loves and relationships. That full stop of death. But here we find on a cross Jesus stepping even into that in order to give us the gift that is the hope of life beyond life. The gift of a life that isn't broken by sin, selfishness, self-centeredness. The gift of life that is rescued and beautiful and with him. The gift of that forever relationship with him. Jesus steps into the brokenness of this world. He doesn't stand at a distance, that sort of king on a throne, a long way off, telling us how to live. And in doing so, he gives us the gift of forgiveness. He deals with the problem of the human heart. And he gives us the gift of a future life with him that begins now. That is that beautiful knowledge that even though I'm the problem, it's me. He loves me, nevertheless. Even though I'm the problem, it's me. He comes to stand with me in my brokenness, in my lostness. He picks me up and he carries me through, even death itself, to the life of the world to come. If you're looking for a saviour, if you're looking for a rescuer, if you're looking for somebody to make the world a better place, in the end you have to ask the question, well, what's the problem? What are they saving me from? What are they rescuing me from? And the Bible tells us that actually 
it starts with saying, it's me. I need rescued from myself. My heart needs changed. My life needs carried. Jesus, the king, steps into the brokenness of human life. He stretches out his arms upon the cross and says, I forgive you. I carry the weight of your brokenness and sin. And even through death, I will carry you to a life of the world to come. And the challenge for us as a church, the challenge for us as individuals, is how do we live that out in our day-by-day lives? I think we live it out by being with people in the midst of mess and brokenness. I think we live it out by forgiving others, even as we find ourselves forgiven. I think we live it out by living this life in the light of the world that is to come, not as if this is the only gift that we've been given. And most of all, we live it out by pointing to the one who has come to rescue, by praying for others and showing others that they can encounter the love of God in Jesus Christ. I know that that's what this church has been doing for years and years and years. I know that's what this church is for. It's why it exists here, that others would know that a God is for them, not against them, that he loves them, that he's given himself for them. So let's pray as we head towards Advent, as we head towards Christmas. Uh, let's uh, be willing, even in our hearts, to say to him, it's me. I'm the problem. And to receive his forgiveness. Jesus, thank you that you stepped into the pages of history. That you came alongside the likes of me and us. Not just in those comfortable places of friendship, but right in the depths of our brokenheartedness. Thank you that on the cross you stretched out your arms in loving forgiveness. Thank you that through the cross, through your death, through your resurrection, you give us that gift, that promise of life. Help us to offer out that promise of life to others, to love as we've been loved to forgive as we've been forgiven and to know that you have given all for us that we might give ourselves for others. In Jesus' name, amen.